Welcome to the Stripe Pipe All Day Podcast. Blake Jude, Nathan Amson, William James, how are you guys doing? I just thought I should let you guys know we've been arguing for the past 15 minutes over what the intro should be. I mean, it, it was 10. I mean, now, now, now it's about 11. But uh, Blake, to answer your question, you know, the Bengals lost, so I'm just not having a good time. I'm not having a good day. I'm not having a good week. Well, that's just unfortunate to hear. But, uh, yes, we cover a bit of this game that just happened on Sunday. Bengals fall to the Chicago Bears 20-17. to uh, You know, close game and overall score, but the game did not feel to be that close up until maybe the end when it got a little bit closer. But we have a lot to cover. Nathan wasn't here for the last podcast. We didn't hear his thoughts, but uh, I wasn't sure on who you predicted to win the game. Um, but for the most part, Will and I kind of, I, I want to say to a certain extent, slandered the Bears a little bit. So Just uh, a we, bit. We got to recap what went wrong here uh, on Cincinnati's part. And I think the first part that we really need to cover, and I think was probably going to take off the majority of this podcast, is the decision making by the coaching staff. Um, quickly, uh, I want to touch on the, uh, the, the, who I thought the Bears game, who's going to win the Bears game. In the one podcast we did where we had season long predictions, I'm pretty sure I said the Bears would win it. But on my story on Instagram, I post every week, uh, pick them. I had Cincinnati winning. So I guess I got it wrong and right at the same time. But anyways, for the coaching and the uh, play calling, like you said, I think they're terrible. Just terrible. We'll touch on it more as we go through the podcast. But the, play, the way we're calling plays on offense specifically is not going to win us any games. You know, I really don't understand the concept behind putting all this draft capital into your offense. And we'll get more specifics later about what really went wrong, like Nathan said. But I'm just going to leave it at you have a number one pick quarterback, a second round running back, two second round receivers. You've got to let them do what they have to do. I mean, you can't sit here and just not utilize the talent you have or utilize them incorrectly. And we'll get more into specifics later, like Nathan said, or probably in a little bit. Um, you just got to open the playbook, you know. Let these guys do what they're good at. Put the ball in their hands. You're not going to win only doing short passes against an elite front seven. All right, we, we can wait to talk about, I guess, the, the coaching staff's decisions a little bit later then. Let's go ahead and start out with Joe Burrow, who had a, you know, I, I would say if it wasn't for three straight snaps, I think would have had a pretty solid game. But, you know, those three straight snaps resulted in three straight interceptions, with, which ultimately lost the Bengals the game, let's be real. Um, you know, I, I said on Instagram, I'd have been a bit of an overreaction. I do think this is probably one of, if not his worst game of his career so far. Uh, you know, you can go back to last year's Baltimore Ravens game. But even then, you know, he, he with the offensive line, he was getting sacked every play. It wasn't really any mistakes he was making in specific. I feel like this game, Burrow was just maybe a step slower. He missed a couple of passes he should have hit. Uh, wasn't making the right reads. Had a couple of times where he held on to the ball too long. It resulted in sacks. Just wasn't a great game for the former first overall pick. Yeah, I think with the Ravens game last year, he didn't get the chance of those picks because he got sacked so much. And he still got sacked in this game, which we will get to. Don't get it twisted. But you're right. Burrow just looked slow. On his read, he kind of forced things. He didn't really let the game come to him. He kind of just tried to force passes and tight windows. Maybe got a little bit greedy at times. This I would probably agree with the statement this is Burrow's worst game of his NFL career. Just off the basis of, I mean, Two of the picks were his fault, one of which he got hit as he threw. But the other two, they were just bad reads. Um, I feel 
on those picks, especially the first one when Roquan Smith took it back for six, uh, they showed him the replay that he was kind of eyeballing. I think it was Higgins he threw the ball to. Um, kind of eyeballing Higgins the whole way. I feel like he knew or, yeah, he made up his mind before the snap even happened of where he wanted to throw the ball, which something this in the NFL with everybody, you know, just being so good. This is a, you know, it's the NFL. This is the big time. We just can't do that. I think that was the case on the second one, too. I don't think that would happen again. You know, obviously, he's going to throw more picks in his career. He's not perfect. But I don't think we'll ever see three picks again, let alone three straight snaps, the way they all happen. Uh, for me, the game the game all comes down to – Burroughs game all comes down to fives – or no. Yeah, five specific uh, plays. Obviously, the first three interceptions – uh, the chase touchdown and one of the um, pick plays where he missed on someone. I'll talk about that in a second. But starting off with the interception, the first interception, which was the Roquan one for six, I believe Higgins was lined up like sl- in the slot. He was lined up, lined up in the slot on the right side of the field, and he ran like an out route, a five about five to seven yard in route. And then Roquan was lined up on the left side, the defensive right side of the um, of the field. There were two linebackers in the middle. Um, he was the one on the left side, the defensive right. And well, Burrow, it was a zone play, I'm pretty sure. And Burrow was reading. He saw the, the rightmost linebacker, which was which was the one closest to Higgins, obviously. He saw that he wasn't, he was, I think he overran the play or maybe he went, he went somewhere else. So he thought it was open, but he failed to read, he failed to read Roquan, who was coming across the field from the other side. Roquan read that really well. Burrow didn't notice him. And Burrow just, uh, he threw a straight line pass to Higgins that wasn't high enough to get over Roquan's head because he didn't see Roquan, got intercepted. He just, he saw his read and thought his guy was open and failed to realize the player crossing from the other side of the field. Roquan made a great play and Burrow failed to realize him there. And then the second interception was the one on a comeback route. I think it was Jalen Johnson who intercepted it. Um, The play to me, I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure the Bears were running a zone. I think it might have been cover three. But anyways, um, Jalen Johnson was bailing. And I think it was Boyd or maybe it was Higgins. I'm not sure. But somebody on the left side of the field was running a comeback route. And the whole point of the comeback route is you have to sell as if you're going vertical and get the cornerback's hips turned. Once, they, once they're going the opposite way, they won't be able to get their hips turned around in time to come back to the ball once the wide receiver has already turned around heading to the ball. It's a timing play. It's uh, a play you have to – it's it's all about getting – if the corner doesn't turn, the play is not going to work. And what happens is Jalen Johnson uh, was – he was bailing in cover three, I'm pretty sure it was. He had the deep le- – or defensive right. He had the deep left uh, – deep, deep zone, excuse me. And he was bailing. He had his eyes – in the backfield, and he was uh, backpedaling. He never turned his hips to chase. He never flipped his hips and started heading the other way. 
he was facing Burrow the whole time. And if you're running a comeback route and the cornerback is facing you the whole time, facing the quarterback the whole time, the comeback route is not going to work. Burrow still threw it. And Jalen Johnson was in perfect position. All he had to do was step up and intercept it. Normally, the corner will be turned around. The receiver will turn first. And they'll have an easy catch. But that was not the case. Burrow forced that pass and got it in. Also, quick speaking on forcing, lots of people were saying he was forcing balls that game. Yes, he did force balls like that interception we just talked about. But there were also passes like one to Higgins on a, I think it was like a drag route. Jalen Johnson was all over him, almost, what, not almost, he was holding him. And Burrow forced it in. It was his first read. He threw it anyway. And obviously, it was incomplete. Burrow wasn't trying to force in the pass. He was trying to draw the holding penalty, which lots of good QBs do. Uh, the call didn't go our way. That's just how it ended. And the other one, it was a fourth down, also to Higgins, but it was on the right side of the field. He was running like a hitch route, I believe, or maybe it was a short comeback. And I don't remember which corner was covering him, but he had his hands all over his jersey, holding him in on his turn, on his cut, and he could not move at all. Burrow threw that. And you could see after the play, once we failed on that fourth down, he was visibly upset because that was a penalty and it didn't the flag was not thrown. In fact the um the broadcasting, I think after commercial break, they also showed that same play and showed the penalty that wasn't called. Uh, but anyways, back to the five plays that I was talking about. We talked about the two interceptions and the third interception, he was hit as he was thrown. Not much he can really do about that. Some quarterbacks will just take the tip. Will just when they feel they're running out of time, don't have enough time to throw away or to get out of the pocket, they'll just take the sack. Um, can't really say Burrow should have done that or shouldn't have. It's whatever. He got hit as he threw. It it happened. Um, and then the fourth play I want to talk about. We ran a pick route. It was five wide, I think. The leftmost receiver runs almost a slant, basically, and gets in the way of the whole, the design of the play. Is the left, the leftmost will run into the, uh, or, excuse me, not the leftmost, the outmost receiver will run in, inwards to block on slant, not purposely run into the guy, but get in the way. That's why it's called a pick play, and then. The one, the receiver next to him will go around, like loop around it, and then run straight up the field. They should be wide open. Um, but in this, they they played it really well. And instead of staying in man coverage, they passed it off. So the I don't remember who was running which route and who was on that play. But the outmost receiver ran in to set the pick and then... Instead of the, um, I think Raquan, I think actually, no, I think it was Mixon because Raquan was on, was covering. And Raquan, instead of following Mixon and then letting the, well, excuse me, no. Whoever was covering the receiver on the inside, instead of following them and getting dusted, they stayed and then just swapped them out. Raquan should have uh, taken the swap and followed the whoever was running deep. But he didn't. He also played the pick route. So they had two defenders on the pick route. And um, we had one receiver that was going free up the sideline. Burrow missed that and tried to force it into the person who was setting the pick route. Incomplete. 
he missed the, that would have been a touchdown. If he hit that, that would have been a touchdown. And then the final play I wanted to talk about was the um, chase touchdown. I think you know where, where I'm going with this. If you start to get more aggressive calls, stop this conservatism, we score points. Yeah, uh, safe to say there is a couple of moments in the game where Burrow just wasn't at his absolute best. And I think that was a so it really affected the game as a whole. Uh, I think, you know, they're there for a long time. As you mentioned, there's plenty of opportunities the Bengals had to take advantage and score some points throughout the game. And a lot of those times, it just they just weren't able to to meet that uh, that exact time. It, it, just, it was a couple of important key plays that could have gone either way, just kind of fell against the Bengals this week, and that is ultimately what kind of cost them the game. I think another pretty big issue that we kind of noticed throughout the game as well was a lot of penalties just overall by the Bengals. A, a lot of, you know, just really just – Poor plays, a taunting call by Von Bell that ended up resulting in the Bears driving down the field. Um, you know, the big, I would say, Trey Hendrickson hands to the face that ended up costing them to have an extra third down. Uh, and, of course, not only that, we also saw a couple of just miscues in general. There's a big couple of tackles that Hendrickson could have made at the end of the game to possibly let the Bengals get the ball back before the game ends. Uh, you also had a tackle by Chidobe Wuzier. Uh, on a third and 15 that ended up, you know, letting A-Rob go next to the, or to the goal line basically and get a touchdown next play. There's a lot of plays that just could have fell our way that just simply didn't. It was just a couple of really key mistakes um, that I think ultimately cost us the game. And, and you know, I, I think overall the Bears look pretty good. Uh, I, I mean, everything that me and Will kind of analyzed in the last episode kind of felt true. It kind of felt like their stars were stars. Um, but overall, they aren't an overly talented team. And, and we kind of saw that. I, I just think the biggest issue was was, you know, you kind of noticed that after a while, Cincinnati was just killing themselves, and the Bears really just took advantage of that and scored touchdowns. And a couple, the, the two interceptions by Burrow ended up being really bad. Um, we kind of mentioned that this D line could have been an issue for Cincinnati, but uh, it, it really was a problem in those last three plays. And I just I didn't expect Burrow to make those mistakes back to back to back. And I really think that's what ultimately uh, lost the Bengals the game in the long run. But we can't just go all on negatives. Let's, let's talk about a little bit of positives. Another Jamar Chase touchdown, as you mentioned. Uh, and, and honestly, I really thought all the wide receivers performed pretty well despite the issues at, wider, at quarterback. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the offense as a whole, at the, in the final quarter when the playbook was opened a little bit and we saw more aggression, we saw more because, we, because of the um, conservatism, we only scored three points leading up to the fourth quarter. And then after three picks, we were down big, and we started to, we started to have to just unleash basically, just start going as aggressive as we could because Zach didn't think we well, I don't I don't think I should say he didn't think we had a chance, but it's more of a don't have much to lose, so he starts getting more aggressive, and we see the more aggressive offense. I thought when when we saw that aggression, really good. We saw the two straight touchdown passes by Burrow, and we saw us drive down the field the one time, get the long chase touchdown, and then Logan Wilson gets the interception. We follow it right back up with a, I think the very next play, or maybe there was one play in between. The very ne- but the very next play, we throw the Higgins touchdown. Um, I thought when the offense, when we took the leash off the offense, I thought the offense looked looked as well as we were expecting them to be going into the season. Yeah. Um, I saw a tweet. I can't remember who it was, was from exactly. I want to say it was Joe Goodberry. 
it was a play from Dallas with a handoff to CD Lamb. And I'll and somebody commented about how Chase could do that. And I'm like, you know what? Chase could do that. But how much do they do that? Um so I looked up some tape of Dallas. And yes, all the receivers played well, but I want to focus on Chase for just half a second. Boyd was great. Higgins, the fumble was really costly. I'm not gonna say it losses the game, because that's a little bit extreme, but it played a big part. But outside of that, the receivers were fantastic. Now back to my chase point with C D Lamb here. The Cowboys utilize CD in a way. Because again, with the three receivers they have, Cooper, Gallup, and of course CD Lamb, they're similar to us, the three weapons. We have Boyd, of course Higgins, and of course Chase. We know this. We've been over this. They use CD Lamb not as a how do I put this? Not as a way to take place, like take attention away from other receivers, but like as a focal point. Like he obviously requires attention, right? From Marty Cooper and all that. But instead of him just being there on the field, you know, running routes and all that, they put him everywhere. So he has to be a focal point. You have to make your defense around, hey, Chase is here. Hey, CD is here. Um, you know, we have to move some guys over there. We have to, you know, because if we go one-on-one, he'll cook us if they be aggressive. So we have to deal with that. They put CD everywhere. CD goes in the slot, outside, in the backfield sometimes, just for a straight handoff like it's a running back. If we could utilize Chase like that, it would be so great. Because I love T and I love Boyd, but I think Chase is the most versatile of the group, although Boyd's right there with him in terms of where they can be on the field and how many different spots you can put them in. And we tried chasing the slot a little bit in the preseason. I think he played, like, what, like two snaps of his limited snaps from the slot. So we could do that with Chase. Put him in the slot. Put him outside, left side, right side, in the backfield. I feel like that would cause such a bigger issue because not only are you worrying about, hey, Tyler Boyd's here, Tiggins is here, but now Chase is moving around everywhere, and he's a threat from everywhere. So they got to make the whole defense around, hey, you know, we can't let Chase run wild. I just feel like if we did that with Chase, so much more would open up and we can really get the the trio effect that we think we will. It's a great point. Uh, I really think there's a lot more that Chase can, can do in this offense. And it does feel like they've been a little bit limited, which – I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, Chase did say in an interview he was really confused why Cincinnati was not able to push the deep ball and, and go deep more in the game. And Brian Callahan kind of answered it in almost kind of, you know, took a little smack back saying that, like, you know, the coaches know what's best and, and they know that they could have had a deep threat. But that's not how the game works. You can't always uh, just go with a deep ball whenever you want, kind of in a way. I, I would say disagreeing with Jamar Chase, Chase in a way. Is this something that you guys are a little bit worried about? Is, is this potential to cause some coach player issues? Uh, I, I really think – I kind of side with Chase. I really feel like the deep ball should have been much more of a factor in the game with how poor the cornerbacks were for the Chicago Bears. The deep ball would have worked. And I was kind of surprised to see Brian Callahan answer this and almost like a shot right back at Chase. I feel like I would be lying if I didn't say – that I could see this going further and escalating, not to a Dunlap-type situation because Chase is still young, you know. He doesn't have that pull yet. But I could see it, you know, getting bigger to where, you know, maybe we see a little discussion on the sidelines. And like Blake said, I think Chase is right. You know, I think they're both right. You know, Callahan is, you know, you can't go deep every play. Duh, this doesn't matter, and we get that. But I don't think that's what Chase is saying. 
I think when Chase says the deep ball is open, he doesn't mean sling it 40 yards every time. He just means more intermediate passes. Um, I'm going to take Nathan's point during the game in our little group chat that it doesn't make sense to just play short with the Bears front seven with the secondary is their weakness. I thought that was a great point, and it's something I've thought about a lot because it doesn't make sense. We don't have to go deep every play, and Jamar doesn't mean that. If we walk in somewhere, you know, 10, 15, you know, to that 18, 20-yard range, some passes, that would do wonders for this offense because the whole reason we got Chase is to stretch out the field. And if we're just giving Chase two slants and a streak route the entire game, that's really not doing much for everybody else. So I do think I was a little bit surprised to see Callahan kind of buy back the way he did. I thought that would be a thing which, you know, we talk about it in the locker room and we sell that out ourselves, you know, see how that goes. But I think Chase is right, you know. I think Callahan isn't wrong with what he said because, like, again, it's not Madden. You can't just chug it 40 yards every play. But I think he misunderstood Chase. I don't think that's what Chase is saying. When when I saw what Callahan said, and to read off the exact quote, he said, um, well, actually, let me start with the Chase quote. I can find it. I don't know. I can't. I can't find the exact quote for Chase. They, like Blake and Will, both already said it was something along the lines of how he struggles to see why we didn't, why didn't we didn't get aggressive like we were in the fourth quarter earlier. Why we were so conservative the whole game. Why we didn't pass much deep or intermediate routes. Um, and then in response. Brian, well, not in response, but he said, and it seems like it was somewhat in response, he said, it's always easy to say you want to do more. Hey, throw the ball deep more. Uh, hey, excuse me. Hey, throw the ball deep more be- often because Jamar won deep late in the game. All of a sudden, we should be throwing it 10 times on the field like that. I struggle with that logic. And when I saw that quote for the first time, I, I don't – it doesn't make me happy that it's this way. and I don't want to say it. But my faith in the coaching staff and my faith in uh, – my faith in Callahan instantly dropped. It just instantly got lowered because that's – like, yes. Like, just like Will said, you cannot chuck 50-yard passes every single play. But you also can't. Run, 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 short pass, run, 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 short pass, short pass, run, short pass, short pass, run, 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 all the way down to the fourth quarter and take two deep shots and then run, 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 short pass, short pass, short pass. If you're going into a game and you take two deep passes, by the way, I'm not saying we actually did take two deep passes. I'm not sure the exact stat, but it wasn't very many. Um, But anyways, if you go into a game and you only take like, you know, three or four deep passes the whole game. And you do everything else is all short, short runs, short passes. That's that's a recipe for disaster. If I'm a defensive coordinator, if I'm coaching a defense, and I'm playing a team who 90% of the time is going to have a run or pass play under 10 yards, I'm putting everybody close to the line. I'm getting my entire... I'm putting five guys on the line. I'm putting, no, four guys, five guys on the line. I'm putting three, four guys in the box right behind, or linebackers right behind them. I'm getting all of my cornerbacks in press. I'm taking my safeties, moving them up, loading the box, pressing my corners. 
I'm getting tight. I'm playing the defense close. I know they're not going to burn me deep because they're not going to go deep. It's, I just, there's 11 guys on the field playing defense. There, that's the entire, so if we're on the 50 yard line, and then there's the end zone over there. That's 50 yards of grass the defense has to cover. Obviously, they're not going to line up over the entire 50 yards, but they're going to spread out a little bit. You don't want to get a beat, get beat deep. But if we're playing the way we do, we don't have that 50 yards. We have the 10 yards from our line of scrimmage to the first down. We're not going to use the rest of the field. That's the way we're playing. The defense knows that. So they're not going to cover the rest of the field. They're going to come up close. They're going to press our receivers. They're going to play tight. They're going to get their safeties up in the box. It's They're going to play aggressive and cover close. If we're only going to use short yards, they're going to cover only the short yards. You hear in football games uh, or in football all the time, take what the defense gives you. And that what that basically means is they're covering deeper and there's something open short. Checkdowns. There's no checkdowns if everything is covered because they're playing close. If you don't take those deep shots, the defense isn't going to respect the deep game. and They're going to play tight. You might not connect on those deep passes. You might not get yard. You might you might take a couple shots. Maybe one or two interceptions happens every so often because of those deep shots. Maybe you get incompletes and it happens to be a third. I mean a three and out. Maybe the drive stalls because of those deep shots. But if you take those deep shots, the defense has to respect those deep shots. They have to cover more. They have to stretch out their defense a little bit more so they're prepared the deep shots if you if going to your madden example will uh if you go into madden right now and you throw you go into madden you throw it to your halfback on flat routes or you throw slants all game what is the defense going to do they're going to play uptight close and they're not going to let you have any of the short yards anymore and if you're not going to go deep you're going to get clamped the whole game but if you go into madden you can put a couple deep routes and whatever, and they're going to start calling cover fours and do this and yada, yada, yada. Point is, yes, it's Madden, blah, 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 video game and real estate. But the point is, defensive coordinators are going to take advantage of the fact that you're not going deep. They're going to play close. So you have to take those shots. Even It just doesn't make sense. I don't understand how you can be an offensive coordinator in the league and not take almost any deep shots in a game. You, you, as an offensive coordinator, you're trying to outsmart the defensive coordinator. You're trying to trick, well, not trick. You're trying to call something unexpected, something they're not prepared for. You have to catch them on their heels. They're, you're not going to be able to do that if you're playing short routes the entire game. They're just sitting underneath everything, and you can't throw because they're playing too close. It's... There's no other way to describe it. That's, that's just how football is. They play tight. You're not going to have that underneath yardage. You need to go deep to stretch out the defense. Yeah, uh, great point. And, and I think something that really ties into the reason why they didn't want to go deep is 
the, the lack of trust they still have in their offensive line. Uh, you know, regardless of how well both Joan Williams and Riley Reef have played the first two weeks, really kind of feels obvious that they really don't trust specifically maybe the interior of this line. And I think their ultimate goal is to get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands as quick as possible. I think that, that plays to be pretty obvious, especially when you notice how in, in every empty set, it feels like Joe Burrow's getting rid of the ball in about three seconds. And, you know, ultimately results in maybe a two-yard gain at best. Uh, and sometimes, uh, for the most part, end up being, you know, absolutely nothing or an incompletion to the point where Cincinnati's already backing themselves up to a second and 10 or third and 10 or third and 12 even. I mean, they, they were just weren't gaining yards. And I really kind of felt like that was – that really felt like a result of them still not really trusting their offensive line. So my question to you guys this time around is, you know, when do you think Cincinnati will start trusting their offensive line and maybe trying to take more of these deep shots? Because it really felt like the moment they started taking the deep shots, specifically, excuse me, Jamar Chase, it worked. So when are they going to ultimately trust their team and start taking deep shots, especially next week? Because Pittsburgh's cornerback uh, room not only is not very healthy, but still not very talented outside of Joe Hayden. I think you have to start trusting them right away, even if they're not the – I think, first of all, if you didn't trust them, you probably should have added more in free agency or through the draft. Exactly. Um, but anyways, that ship has sailed. We can't add anyone through free agency. You know, we can – obviously, there are still people, but those top guys aren't there anymore. So that ship has sailed. We have to live with what we have right now. And I think you got you got to be able to trust them and just throw it deep anyway. Because if you're playing – Going back to what I was just talking about with them sitting underneath the routes and everything. If they know you're going to play short game the entire time, they're going to sit under the routes. They're going to make Joe hold it longer. And they're going to be able to generate more pressure easily with more time. If, if you're a defensive coordinator, you know what they're going to do. You're going to know how to counter it. You're going to know how to send more pressure. You're going to also know how to make Joe hold the ball for longer. Being conservative in, in trying to play short it seems like that would protect Joe, but it really doesn't. It might start off that way. You might be able to, now that you're only playing short, you can get it out quicker. You're not straining your offensive lineman on an island. Um, you're, you, 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 you think, playing conservative and trying to get the ball out quick with short games and a lot of running, trying to get the ball away from Joe, you think that would work. And it's, that's definitely valid because it does seem like it would work. But after a while, the defensive coordinators start realizing what you're doing. Again, they can have they can play up close, sit on all the routes, make you have to hold it long, bust your plays, make make you know you have to try and get some scramble out and throw on a broken play. Uh, you just when you're playing so conservative, and defenses realize you're playing conservative, they can counter. And make your conservatism not uh, make your conservatism start working against you. Um, Matt Minich on Twitter, he pointed out that in that game specifically, the Bears game, four turnovers, four sacks while playing conservative. The whole point of playing conservative is the, like not not even our team with any team. If a team is playing conservative, the whole point is to prevent sacks and protect the ball and not turn it over. If you're playing conservative, that's how you want to play. We're playing conservative, got sacked four times, turned the ball over four times. Our conservatism is right there, 
proof is in the pudding. It is not working. You have to take the shots. You have to make the defense respect you. You have to. It's there's. I've explained it so many times. There's no other way to explain it. You have to make the defense respect you. If they respect your deep pass, respect your intermediate pass. If they play tight, it doesn't matter how conservative you are. It's not going to work. I think Nathan nailed it. You have to trust them now. If you can't, that that's your problem. I mean, you should have addressed it more in free agency. I'm only talking about Sewell because I think we've seen in the first two games, Chase is as impactful, if not more impactful, than Sewell would be because tackles aren't even our problem. You have to trust them immediately. For this offense to work, you have to trust them off the bat. Getting Chase is a way to protect, bro. And what I mean by that is if you get cooked for 20 yards one time or another, that's going to get the ball quicker. The defense is going to respect you more. They're going to play further back, like Nathan said. They're going to have less guys on the line. They're going to blitz a lot less. And they're going to have to respect you deep. That's how you protect Burrow. You know, the Bears blitzed a ton. And even when they didn't, Cleo Mack just got home. It was just a basic, oh, you know, I'm going to go behind you. Like, oh, I'm going to use the own guy as a screen. And they're just not going to pick up on it. You know, there was no communication between our tackles and our guards, excuse me. Especially Xavier Suafilo, who has been our worst lineman this season, I'd like to say by far. There's just nothing there. There's no communication. So the ball has to get out quicker. And, you know, if you get uh, burned deep on it twice, you use the deep ball to set up the short ball. It's a balance. Football, play calling in general, it's all about a balance. Not just between the run and pass, but how you run and pass. Like I said, if I'm getting beat deep, you know, once a drive, I'm going to, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, go into some quarters, a little bit of cover four. You know, I won't do it every play because that's just a bad strategy. Yeah, I'm not going to give up five yards every play. Uh, but, you know, I'll back off a little bit. I really won't blitz as much. I might rush three occasionally as opposed to rushing four. So we hope we draft the chase with the whole idea of that's how we're going to run this. You know, we're going to set up the short ball, the long ball, then we're going to hit with mixing. It just doesn't work if you don't let these guys do what they do best. If you can't get the ball in their hands beyond three yards, that's a problem. And it's because of your line, that's your problem as well. Zach didn't go after all these, you know, guys. I'm not talking about Joe Thune because we just don't have the money for Joe Thune and the Chiefs gave him a big bag and the Chiefs were just in the Super Bowl. So I'm not even talking about that. But just some decent quality guys, some starting guys like Trey Turner. He's in Pittsburgh, for example. I would like Trey Turner. But that that's just basically it. You know, there's just no balance here. We need to have balance. And we need to trust the line to have balance. Real I think quick, the most hold on. You want you want to hear an interesting stat real quick? Give me the stat. On second down, I mean on second and long, and long is described as eight or more yards. On second and long, the Bengals run like the play run. They run fifty eight percent of the time. That is absurd. Eight percent of the time, if it's a second and long, eight or more yards, not a second and two or a second and one, second and long, we run fifty-eight percent of the time. That is the mo- That is the highest rate in the NFL of runs on second and long. That is something you cannot do. If you run on second and long. 90% of the time, you will get 
third down, either medium or short, 90% of the time. 5% of the time you might get a first, 5% of the time you might get stopped in the backfield. But the grand majority of the time, you're going to end up with third and short, third and medium. You know what happens on third and short, third and medium? The Bengals have like 38, I don't know, I don't know the exact thing. It's like, it's under 50%. We have like 38 or something like that, 38% complete, I mean, uh, third down conversion rate. So if we're, if we're on second and long, and almost 60% of the time we're running, we're almost voluntarily putting ourselves into a third down situation, which we convert a little over a third of the time. Over half the time, we're voluntarily lowering our chances to a third. That's, I don't know, that's, I, I can't even explain that. That's just beyond stupid. That's definitely a problem. And I think another really frustrating aspect of the game for me is, you know, had, if Cincinnati does not trust their offensive line, why would they not go for more of a screen game? We saw this in the Tennessee Titans game last year. The Bengals really went screen heavy, and it absolutely worked. The Titans had pretty solid defensive backs. I know a lot of them were hurt that game, of course, but, you know, the defensive backs, uh, let's just be real, they're not much better. They weren't more, excuse me. Restart, restart that. They were not much worse than the Chicago Bears secondary. It was not like a light and day difference, right? And, and I, I was really shocked to see Cincinnati not really take advantage of that. I, I get what really made me mad was just seeing the team go in the empty set so much and not even have their wide receivers cross four or five yards past the field. It was maybe a it was a immediate just return route. I mean. At most, four four or five yards, just them turning around and getting ready to catch the ball, and they get tackled immediately. It was put them in situations where not only was the running game not working, it was also the passing game. It was forcing you into, into second and long, third and long situations. And if you continue to accept those short passes, eventually one of them's going to get broken up. Someone's going to take advantage of something. And there's no reward for you to win in this case. So it really just felt like, to me, Cincinnati was unprepared. I, I really, I really believe that. It kind of felt like every single time it was an empty set, it was an obvious pass over the middle or or to T. Higgins or someone. Every single time Joe Mixon was in the backfield, it was a run. I mean, there was no, there was no Chicago. The Chicago Bears had no guesses, right? Like they they knew exactly what was going to happen whenever it happened, and we saw that whenever they got three straight interceptions, they immediately knew what was going to happen. And they jumped the routes, they took advantage of it. So I, I really just think it was. I put almost all of this on the coaching staff. It really feels like the players themselves didn't have terrible games. You know, of course, Xavier Suofilo had some moments. Trey Hopkins had something fantastic the first two weeks. Um, Clue Mack was a big factor in this game, I'll be real. Uh, and, and there's a couple of mistakes made by, of course, Joe Burrow and a lot of defensive players. But it, it really felt like if there was better play calling, this is a completely different ball game because a, a, a simple screenplay to get Jamar Chase a free 12, 13 yards, which he has shown he can do, I feel like would have definitely scared the, the Bears offense, maybe forced them to play a little bit close, and all of a sudden you might have a deep pass to Jamar Chase. So it really feels like there's a lot a lot of different aspects. It's sad whenever you have, you know, twenty year old podcast hosts telling coaches what to do. And it really felt like there was a simple answer to fix all these all these issues. And the coaching staff just really could not fix it. And that is very scary. With that being said, though, I don't know if you guys still want to stay on the topic of offense, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and mention real quick, this defense has still been very, very good, and they have been almost lights out. Uh, I would say these last two weeks, despite losing this game, I, I was really impressed with Lou Anarumo's play calling. I really think he's improved a lot from last year, and it feels like now they've finally gotten a couple of guys to really trust. There were a couple of, of 
poor plays all around. Jermaine Pratt didn't have the best. Eli Apple. Just a couple of key tackles. Eli Apple wasn't fantastic either. He had a pretty rough game. Uh, Trey Hendrickson missed a couple of key tackles as well. Um, it really felt like there was a couple of guys struggling a little bit. But as a whole, the defense was still very, very good. Keep in mind, you know, entering week three against Pittsburgh, this is a sixth-ranked defense in the NFL right now. So much far better than what we've ever been. So this all, all kind of lies on the offensive issues and what really is happening here with the play calling because it really feels like they need to figure out a way to make teams on defense start guessing. I'll, I'll get to the defense in just a second. I do want to touch on – a point Blake and Nathan both made is that I noticed during the game and I watched my dad, I watched all the Bengals games. I looked at him about the third quarter. I'm like, we are just constantly behind the chains. I don't have numbers in front of me, but I would look at the Vikings game and the Bears game, see how many third downs we had. And keep in mind, if the Bears game is a lot less, we threw three picks. I believe all of which were on first down. The first one might have been on second down. And the Vikings game went into overtime, which I think is another like three third downs. So just keep that in mind. Um, and then the other thing, they don't they give up on things they shouldn't give up on. They had a screen one time that didn't work, which I believe Jamar Chase was supposed to cut in for the screen, and Mike Thomas was on the outside. He's supposed to go block because the O line blocked for a screen, and there was nobody there to catch it. They saw it didn't work. One time, and like Blake said, we killed the Titans last year, which is our biggest win besides Pittsburgh. But that was a divisional thing. That That's kind of just thrown like a separate thing. We cut him in the screen game. And even last year, we didn't have a guy like Jamar Chase to run screens with, who's fast, and he's elusive in the open field, goes back to my handoff point. But yet, we keep in these empty sets, like uh, Blake said, excuse me, you know, five yards every time, mixing the backfield, we're going to run the ball every time. And when we start an empty set, it's one thing to start there and then kind of, you know, let Mixon go in the backfield and do some motion. We don't do none of that. The closer we get to that is occasionally we'll bring T. Higgins in the backfield. Like, we'll about to do a jet sweep. Have we ever done a jet sweep to T. Higgins? We don't do that. You're not fooling anybody. It's not like you're putting Jamar Chase back there. Look, I love T. Higgins. But he's not exactly a burner. If T. Higgins is going to the back for a jet sweep, I'm going to keep note of him, obviously, because, you know, he might get the ball. But I'm not concerned like I would be if Jamar Chase went back there. We've never done that. It doesn't make sense. Hey, you know, this thing we've never done before, we're going to fake it uh, one out of every five plays, and we'll see what happens. If you're going to fake it that much, at least do it once. At least try to keep him honest. But I'm voting to the defense. The defense has been fantastic. Lou has shocked me. I thought Lou being around would cost us like two or three games. And of course, it still can. It's early in the season. But I mean, it's been the opposite so far. I mean, week one, that without that Jerry Pratt, we're 0-2 right now. Um, the defense was the only reason this was a game. I mean, they gave up a bad touchdown drive at the start of the game to Andy Dalton, which shocked me. Um but, I mean, after that, the pick six, that's seven points that was on the offense. And the other two Burrow picks, they held him to a field goal both times. So, the defense has pleased me greatly. Out offensive line especially, I know Trey Hendrickson missed a big, ta- a big tackle, excuse me, at the end on Justin Fields. But, honestly, I think that's more of a great play by Fields, less of a bad tackle by Hendrickson. Obviously, you got to have him wrapped up. You should make that sack. But Hendrickson, in general, has been great this season. Um, B.J. Hill has been a great addition. Hubbard's been good. 
Larry Ogle and Joby and uh, Josh Dupal have both been fantastic on the defensive line. Um, Hilton has struggled a little bit throughout the season. I think he'll be just fine, though. You know, pass coverage really isn't his role anyway. He's more of a run stopper. Um, Cheeto Awuzie, I can't say enough about Cheeto Awuzie. He has been great. Um, you know, he's had some, you know, he's, he loves some big plays. But, I mean, you got to think he's constantly going against, you know, Allen Robinson. Last week it was Justin Jefferson slash Adam Thielen. For the deal we got him on compared to what Washington is paying uh, William Jackson, I am extremely happy with Cheeto Awuzie being here. And I can't wait to see how he grows throughout the season. Because I think he'll only get better and really be on the national radar, or as much you can get being a Bengals player. Yeah, we've been we've been talking about the offense for like forty minutes now, so I just want to add one more thing. That's um, what was I going to say? You got this, King. Huh. What was he going to say? Huh. Oh, yeah. Um, so we've been talking about the offense for like 40 minutes now. I'm getting tired of hearing it, I'm sure. But I want to say one more thing that just adds to the confusion of why we're doing all this conservative play calling. Um, if, you're gonna, if you're calling short routes and runs the entire game to for, – for, for normal, let's say, say you start at the twenty-five yard line every play, you got seventy-five yards to get a touchdown. Probably like, I don't know, fifty-ish, forty-ish to get into field goal range. Uh, not doing the math off my top, off the top of my head, blah blah blah, whatever. You need like 40, 40-ish, 50-ish yards to get in field goal range, and then you need. 75 to get a touchdown on on a typical drive, assuming you're starting from 25 every time. To get 75 yards or 40 to 50, every single drive consistently and score points throughout a whole game, you're probably looking at like 12 play drives. You're looking at 12 play drives just to score once. And you have to score on 12 play drives consistently. If you're asking your team, to put together 12 different successful plays just to score once in a game where you have to score multiple times, you're, you're literally asking your quarterback and you are asking your uh, offense to be perfect. If you have to take 12 play drives every drive to score, that you are literally asking to be perfect. And that's that's the problem. You again with the defense. The defense you want to make their drives longer because that means there's more plays, higher chance for mistakes, higher probability they mess up. That you hear the expression bend but don't break. That plays along with this exact theme. You give up a couple of plays here and there, but you keep keep this drive going, force them to keep making plays. Eventually, they're not going to be able to make a play again. They're going to make a mistake. They're going to accidentally throw a pick. They're going to accidentally not keep their hand tight enough on the ball. They're going to let it go. They're accidentally going to turn around to try and get get upfield before they look in the pass, and they're going to drop it on a third down. 
if you are going on these long drives every play, you're asking from the you're asking for your quarterback to be perfect, but you're also basically asking for a mistake to happen if you expect to be able to put together these long drives every play. That's not how the NFL works. That's exactly what the defense wants you to do. They want you to have long drives because you're going to make more mistakes. Conservatism is just playing into what the defense wants. Protecting Burrow, protecting the rest, just playing conservative and trying to protect Burrow is not going to protect Burrow, and it's going to make the offense worse. But anyways, getting into the defense, like we've all said, I think it's fantastic. I think it's really impressed all of us, everyone, fans, us, uh, beat reporters for Bengals. Everyone's been, I'm sure everybody's been shocked by this defense. It's been surprisingly good. I still don't think they're on a playmaker type level yet. Like you look at the elite defenses in the league, you look at it like the Steelers, you look at like the Rams, they, they will make plays. They will they are going to go on the field and you're going to if if you're if you're on prime time you're watching prime time and the announcers come on and they're like oh this this defense blah 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 they have real playmakers they're going to go out there and they are going to control the offense obviously not literally going to control the offense but their defense they legitimately can count on to get them in the, get them back into games and out of games our defense, I think, I'm not trying to blame the game on the defense. That's not all I'm saying. But I'm saying we, we don't really, we're not at that level where we can make play. Obviously, Wilson got that great interception to get us one more score closer to winning. Obviously, we didn't. But we were able to make plays to get in. But I don't think we're at that level where our defense can just can control the game or Specifically, I want to touch on the um, Hendrickson missed tackle against Fields on third and nine that would have forced the fourth. We had a timeout, so we've gotten the ball back. Despite despite how badly we've been playing that game, we would get the ball back with about a minute and 20. No timeouts and a chance to score, tie the game, or win the game. Despite all that happened, we had a chance we could have done that if Hendrickson got that tackle, which he did not. And then also on the scoop uh, or the strip sack that Hendrickson, Hendrickson also pours. Um, but Wilson got a little too, too excited, couldn't pick up the ball. That would have been seven. Maybe he got caught, out, caught at the end. Maybe it wasn't fast enough. Uh, but we, we'd be in scoring position. That would have been another play that could have put us in position to win the game. We weren't able to get that. I think we still have to rely on our offense, which isn't going to happen if we continue the conservatism. But the defense definitely is good. It's a lot better than before. The defensive line has definitely been surprising, definitely, definitely exceeding expectations. Last year, the defensive line, obviously the whole team got 17 sacks last year. The defensive line specifically got 13. This year, our defensive line has seven. We're over halfway to our total season mark from last year. 
I think that's that's a tremendous job by our defense. Our defense, I, I'm pretty sure. No, never mind. Our, no, yeah, our defense held their offense to 14 points, which obviously Bears are not Chiefs or anything. They're nothing special on offense. But we held them to 14 points. That's a winnable game. That's that's exactly what you want from your defense. Under 20 points is the mark. We got there. The offense couldn't hold their end. And that is why we lost. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and despite how well our defense played, I, th- I think it's still pretty obvious the Bears' defense played better. And, th- of course, that played a huge factor in this game. Uh, you know, the Bears were really jumping on every opportunity the Bengals make made when it came to penalties and everything like that. The Bengals had moments on defense where they kind of gave the Bears bailouts. I, I mentioned a couple of them earlier. The Bears never really had that. There was one play where Joe Burrow – uh, you know, pretty well flopped. I'm not. I think it was the right call, but you know, he did flop a little bit. They end up being a, uh, of course, unnecessary roughness penalty. They ended up helping the Bengals out a lot, but of course, that really didn't result any in anything except a field goal. So, I mean, there wasn't really mistakes the Bears made. The Bengals really took advantage of, and it kind of felt like the other way around. Every single issue the Bengals had on offense, the Bears immediately jumped on and ended up scoring touchdowns from it. Uh, you know, Justin Fields was not very impressive at all. I did. I watched the entire game. I rewatched it. There was nothing that I really saw that really made me think Fields is great, other than maybe a couple of his runs and jumping on that big fumble at the end, uh, right before halftime, that really, I guess, saved a potential touchdown. But that also, along with you know, Andy Dalton didn't have the best of games, and David Montgomery, who has had seven straight 100 plus yard games, had 66 yards. So like. The overall, the offense of the Bears did not play well at all. It was just the simple mistakes both sides made. The Bears simply jumped in front of. The, the term the Bengals are killing themselves quite literally is, is the case here. There was just – the Bengals didn't do anything to help them – you know, to, to – they just didn't do anything to help themselves rather than help – you know, they just helped the Bears for the most part. So I don't know if it made much sense, but long story short – was just not helping themselves out this game. They really did beat themselves in all aspects. Credit to the Bears for taking advantage of it. I thought the defense played great, but the way with the way the Bears offense played in a regular football game, they had no business winning that. That was a game the Bears would have or should have probably put up three to ten points. Yeah, it ended up being 20 due to miscues on both the offensive and defensive side. Yeah, we definitely I think we we definitely shot ourselves in the foot on multiple occasions. Going back to the uh, scoop and score missed opportunity that I was just talking about, on top of uh, not being able to pick it up, get down the field to score, or get down to the field to get near the red zone, on top of not being able to pick it up, we, we were able to for It was third down, so we did get the punt. We got the ball back. But just to add to the pain, we just, we, just to add to the negativity we just had, we fumbled it. The very next play, gave her right back. So we just basically reset the downs for them. We, we're giving them lots of free shots. They had a, a they excuse me, they had a terrible play in third down, strip sack, could have got scored on, got lucky they didn't. And then just two plays later, they have the ball right back where they were, first down. They're we're, we're just they're. 
they may got beat in some situations. They had mistakes in some situations. And we just almost forgave them for that. For it, we 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 gave them a second chance almost. That that happened several times. You're just you know, sh- shooting ourselves in the foot. There are some some. There's just different plays. We had chances to stop them. We had chances to hold them. We had chances to take um take advantage of opportunities against them that we just weren't able to do. It wasn't a total. Bears beat Bengals. The Bengals beat the Bengals a little bit too, if that makes any sense. No, nah, I agree. Um, we killed ourselves, like Blake said, literally, with the issues. You know, I really don't care who you're playing. You know, I don't care if this is a a college team playing uh, you know, Murray State or your NFL team playing the Bears. You can't give your opponents constant short fields and think they're not gonna score on it, uh pun intended with the fields. I mean that's just not going to work. You know, I don't care who's at quarterback. You know, you give them, you know, oh, set them up to 35, at the 30, you know, at the 40. It, it, they're going to score. I mean, they're already in field goal range. It, it's going to happen. Um, you know, I think defensive miscues, obviously we all go to, hey, you know, that Trey Hendrickson missed tackle was pretty huge. But, again, I think that was just a great play by field. Um, but another thing comes to mind, Eli Apple, first drive of the game, 40 yards downfield, he pushes the guy out of bounds for no reason. You don't have to do that. Andy Dalton is not putting so much zip on the ball to where you can't get there in time to make a play on the ball. Or on the receiver, just push him out of bounds after he gets the ball. Um, Eli Apple's had a few plays where you just look at the TV and you say, what are you doing? Um, Donnell Mooney, the Bears receiver too, he led them in receiving yards. Um and Blake pointed out some statistics, excuse me, with Montgomery. Dalton wasn't great. Fields didn't wow you. You know, the Bears' offense, you know, of course, credits our defense, too. They didn't do much and because they didn't have to. Um, I do want to touch on, I think a lot of people talk about the, the fumble that we could have got and say, oh, you know, Logan Wilson should have just jumped on it. Look, defensive players, let, let's think of this from a defensive standpoint here. If I'm a linebacker, right, how much am I getting the ball in a game? You know, in a practice, I might mess around and, you know, sling it a few times, um, you know, to joke around. But in an actual game scenario, how many times do linebackers see the ball? Hardly ever. So if I'm a middle linebacker, right, and I'm looking at the ball on the ground and there's nobody between me and the end zone, I'm not jumping on the ball. I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to try to score with it. You know, I know hindsight, you know, you can say, oh, he should have jumped on it. But if he jumps on that ball in the moment, how many of us are talking about now, oh, he should have got to the house? You know, because let's say, yeah, he jumps on that and we get three now. We're all going to say, oh, he should just, you know, pick it up, took it to the house. You can't do that with hindsight. And you got to realize if I'm a defensive player and I see the ball and I see the end zone, I'm going to try to scoop and score. That's just basic human knowledge and common sense. Everybody listening, us three, anybody watching the game would do the exact same thing. You know, and Justin Fields made a great play again, right back on the ball. You know, there's a lot of things just didn't work out for us on that play. And I don't blame Logan Wilson one bit for what he did. I would have did the exact same thing, and I'm sure everybody else would have too. To add I'm to not- that, to add to that real quick, defense players most of the time are told if there's not very many bodies around the ball to take it and try to scoop and score. Unless you're a big man, you're normally taught to fall on it. Uh, 
Logan Wilson, not a big man. Well, linebacker, he's a big man technically, but I mean, he's not a defensive lineman. <laughs> he's normally taught to try and scoop and score if he doesn't see many bodies in the area, which there was not many, many bodies in the area. Like you said, Fields made a great play to, to crawl back up right after getting sacked and tap the ball and be able to almost re-strip it from uh, Logan Wilson and recover it. Let, just like you said, don't blame Wilson. Um, just a great play by Fields, in my opinion. I, I kind of will blame Wilson here. I mean, honestly, like I, I like the points you guys made, and I agree, but I think as a – if you see the ball on the ground, I think the number one – you know, absolute thing that you have to do is make sure the ball is secured in your hands. That is your ultimate goal if there's a ball on the floor. I understand you want to scoop and score and possibly get a touchdown, but all players are taught to, you know, make sure – I mean, everyone's taught ball security. It's, it's, it's an absolute key to be able to win the game. you got to make sure the running back has the ball securely tight in his hands whenever he is running in between the tackles. You have to make sure the receiver is looking at the ball whenever he catches it instead of, you know, looking on and trying to worry about the next play that possibly happens. I think it's the same case here. Logan Wilson has to look at the ball, realize it. Instead of rushing himself, he needs to make sure he can get the ball in his hands first because worst-case scenario, if you get tackled – you still have the ball and you have it in good field position. So it's still a win for the Bengals rather than trying to get the immediate scoop and score. I understand the scoop and score is a priority and I would go for that the moment I get it. But I think your ultimate goal is to make sure you secure the ball in your hands. And I think the obvious thing was Wilson was still running when everyone's to go get the ball and he did not, you know, I mean, when you, when you watch the play, I mean, he never really even got it in his hands. He kind of just scraped it with his fingers a little bit and then ended up kicking a little bit further and then Fields took it. You have to make sure you can get the ball. I would have been over, picked it up. If you get tackled, oh, well. But you still have the ball in great field position. So I think it was – I mean, I'm not going to blame him totally. He was in the moment. I understand. Players will probably do that, and I don't think it really would have affected the game as much as people think possibly. But I definitely think if, if he was – if he had a chance to redo it, he probably would have done it differently. And I think that he probably should have done it differently in game. Make sure you secure the ball first. Make sure the ball's in your hands because it is going to give you great field position. Worst case scenario is probably still going to put points on the board. And then make sure you can get the touchdown after. I wouldn't fall on it necessarily, but making sure you maybe bend over to get it a little easier or, or slower probably would have helped the team out because like you guys said, there wasn't a lot of people around. The closest person was Fields and he was on the ground. So he wasn't going to tackle him anyways. I feel like I see what you're saying, right? And I agree. I'm never going to say you're wrong for preaching ball security. But I think where you and me are mixed up here is you're talking about the execution of what happened, right, and how he ran before he got the ball. And I agree with that. You're right. And, yeah, he should have had the ball before he started running with it. But what I'm saying here is that the idea, and strictly the idea, you know, let's take out the execution for a second because, like I'm saying, if he does jump on the ball and we get three and out, we're all probably saying now, hey, you know, he should have just scooped and see what happens. Just the idea of seeing the ball and you look up and you see the end zone, I, I, I see what he's going for. And I agree and I would do the same thing. You know, I look, I see the ball. In terms of linebackers, Logan Wilson's not really a slow fella by any means. He's not, you know, the John Ross of linebackers, but – He's not exactly, you know, the slowest person you'll meet. So I see that. I see the end zone, and I'm going to try going for it. Yes, you're right. He did what receivers do. He tried to run before he got the ball, and ball security is important. It's rule number one in football. They teach it from Pee Wee all the way to the NFL. 
But what I'm saying is that just just the idea of it, just you know, going, hey, here's the ball, here's the end zone, let me try to run with it. That's why I'm saying Logan Wilson did a good job. Well, not a good job, but I don't fault him, and I see where he's going with it. Yeah, I think that's definitely the best way to describe it. The intent was not bad. I think, like I, like I already mentioned, if there's no bodies in the area, we're not many. You're normally taught to try and score unless your defensive lineman or offensive lineman always fall on it. Um, and there wasn't much people that were in the area to try and tackle it. So he probably should have went for a scoop and score, and that's what he did. The intent was not a problem. However, the execution, like Blake mentioned, was pretty bad. He wasn't able to secure the ball, wasn't able to grab it. It was the the play was as as good as just a normal sack because we weren't able to get the ball. And that's that's what you want to be able to do when you get a fumble, especially when the fumble is that easy to get. Um the intent, not a problem. The execution was the problem. I, I think the only you know, and this is this will be, I guess, my, my last point in this conversation for the most part. But, you know, intent is not what's going to really win you football games in the long run. Like, oh, I meant to do that. That's okay. Did you do it? If you didn't do it right, it's still going to lose you the game, long story short. I think execution is really what matters at the end of the day. And let's be real. I mean, though, I, I agree with you guys. I think a scoop and score would have been the best case scenario. He did not do it the right way. It would have been better if he had the wrong intent and still had the ball rather than, you know, having the right intent and not executing properly. So I, I just feel like it could have gone many ways and ended up, uh, you know, being, being a big cost to the Bengals because, you know, those are, those are plays that could cost you a football game. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you were thinking like, oh, I'm going to scoop and score, which might have been the right philosophy. But if it doesn't work out, there's no point. It's not, it doesn't matter. You know, if, if the intent's there, it doesn't matter. It still costs you the game. Long story short, that's the case. But I'm going to ask you guys a quick question before uh, I guess we kind of end this podcast. What do you guys think the Bengals absolutely have to focus and improve on in this week of practice to really get out there and just be a better team overall against a very stout Pittsburgh defense and team in general, really? I don't think there's any main, 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 main practice we should do. Maybe. Maybe just throw in a couple um, loose ball pickup type drills, you know, fumble, fumble pickup practices and whatever. You know, maybe help Wilson hold on to the ball a little bit more. Um, but I think the defense has been performing well. I think the offense has been performing well. If there's one area to improve the most, play calling. The coaches have got to get well. Zach Taylor specifically has got to get better if we want to win this game against the Steelers. Play calling has to be the primary focus to get better at. I think not just for this game, but for the rest of the season. Play calling is definitely the weak spot of this team, in my opinion. Another thing, uh, a specific thing we might be able to practice a little bit more is some screens. Like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, screens are a pretty useful thing to use when you don't trust your offensive line that much. And like you also said, it worked in the Titans game that helped us pull pull out arguably the best upset for us in that season last year. Um, Especially 
like the past the the past game we ran one screen um it was supposed to be a wide receiver screen we had three linemen go out to block but no one to catch it we that's something that has to be improved on you cannot run a screen and not have somebody to catch it somebody made a mistake and didn't didn't come back to get the ball so i guess there's one type of play to work more on screens Maybe for the defense, more tackling type drills and scoop, scooping type drills. Um, but if there's one thing to improve on the most, definitely play calling. You know, I agree with Nathan. I think when we look at football, there's two parts to it, right? Two main parts, I should say. There's play calling and there's execution. Obviously, you know, all the nitty-gritty falls in between is the execution. So if I had to pick one thing that's really stuck out to me. Teams don't even have to do much to get out online confused. I forget the technical football term. Um but they'll start, you know, let's say, you know, whoever Jonah's got an assignment. Well it's usually on the right side it's a Are you talking about stunts? I believe like so. Edge edge over tackle or tackle over edge stunts. Yes, yes I am. Thank you, Nathan. Um I mean there's no communication there. Some has to pick that up because usually it's a rush forward thing. So the center usually doesn't have a quote-unquote straight assignment. We got to communicate better. We have to pick that up. That's that's just basic stuff. I understand sometimes, you know, everything's moving so fast. It's hard to get there. These are big boys. They move kind of slow. But, I mean, that killed us multiple times in the first game. I understand clear max, clear Mac. You know, he doesn't need to do that. He's going to get – you know, he's going to get, you know, his sacks and make his plays. And when Khalil Mack's in the area, he's your main focus. I get that. I understand. But it wasn't even Khalil Mack sometimes. We have to improve on that. Because, look, if you're going to get sacked, right, or you're going to give up sacks, you got to make them earn it at least. Make them beat you. At least make them hesitate to get through you. When they're just going through untouched, that's when the problem arises. Because you have three options there. You either take the sack you try to scramble and throw it away, or you kind of just try to throw and your arm gets hit and you fumble. And neither one's a good option. So if I had like one specific thing, that's what it would be. I guess you could say online communication as a whole because it's more than just that. But that's the main basis of where I'm going with this. Because I feel like the line, I'm not going to say it's playing down, but I feel like there's just so many things where it's like you're not getting beat one-on-one. It's just basic football things that were messing up. And Frank Polak is a great coach, and I have no doubt that he will get it fixed up. But it, it's just frustrating. Like, it, it's the basics we're messing up here. You know, Cleo Mack's not even really earning his sacks. He's just running through untouched. It, it, it just bothers me. You know, for those of you who don't really try to get one, pick it up on putting down here, if any of you follow basketball, it's a screen, basically. That's all it is. They're setting screens, and we're not switching. That That's all it is. It, all great points, and, and I totally agree. We just need to see this team improve in general because if the Bengals play like this next week, you know, you're know you not going to have a shot against Pittsburgh because at the end of the day, Pittsburgh has a lot of injuries, and we'll cover that in the next podcast. But you know, this is still a Pittsburgh team that is going to always be a problem for the Bengals that it has been for several years, and it will continue to be until we're able to beat them consistently. Uh, and, and, and though like I see a lot of issues Pittsburgh might have, 
if you continue to keep making mistakes, it's, it's going to kill you. And I, I really hope and I want to see the Bengals fix all these mistakes and hopefully just have a better game in general. So with that being said, is there anything you guys would like to add at the end of this podcast? I know it's been a pretty disappointing uh, week for the Bengals. Uh, and we'll cover all the Bengals news that kind of happened over this week a little bit later uh, in the next podcast, at least. But um, is there anything you guys want to add and, and really get us uh, or and really want to get home before I guess we kind of start talking about this Bears-Bengals, uh, I would say, disaster of a game for the most part. If I haven't landed at home yet, I want to make sure I do. The play calling has to improve. You know, I'll, I'll, do, a, I'll do a little positive spin on things. Um, we have to realize all things considered. Almost everything that could go wrong did go wrong. You know, Burrow threw three picks. Here's a crucial Higgins fumble. Was Logan Wilson debacle, and we lost by three. If we can just fix our simple execution, these are games we can win. Because, like we said in the pregame, the roster discrepancy here is not that much different. I think we're a better roster. I'm not saying the Bears didn't deserve to win, but I think we're a better top to bottom roster group by group. So, if we just fix up the basics, which we can do. I think we'll be fine. I think we'll win these games and maybe win a game or two people don't think we can win or should win. I, I, I totally agree. I'm excited to see how the Bengals can respond to this and end up improving in the long run. And of course, we'll have to see. Uh, with that being said, make sure you go follow our socials. I'm on Instagram at Stripe Cincy and on Twitter at Blake Jude 740. Sorry, yeah, no, yeah, Blake Jude 714. <laughs> you can find Nathan on Instagram at Cincy underscore Bengals underscore daily and at uh, send Bengals daily on Twitter and go follow Will on Instagram at who underscore all day and on Twitter at William C James 23. Also go follow our uh, podcast Twitter at stripe pipe pod. Keep up to date with all of our podcast info when our, when our podcasts are released and everything else. So uh, yeah, hopefully that we see a Bengals improved team on Sunday. Of course, we're going to have one more podcast before then to kind of cover all the storylines heading into the game and our predictions as a whole. But I think we, we of course definitely need to see this coaching staff improve. And I think if Zach Taylor was not already on the hot seat with the fans, he is definitely after this game. So excited to see how that ends up all turning out. Thank you guys so much for listening and have a wonderful day.